We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of this mini-series I'm calling A Personal History of Silicon Valley Recessions. This is a five-part mini-series on what it was like to go through two, and now starting three, unfortunately, recessions in Silicon Valley. This is part two, titled, We'll Make It Up on Volume, and it's about the lead-up and the bursting of the dot-com bubble in the 2000s. If you're just tuning in, I'd highly recommend listening to part one so you get some context as to my perspective on this. So, the dot-com bubble. I'd say the acceleration of the bubble started in 1999, when the big I, internet, was really starting to take off. At the time, I was at Cypress Semiconductor, which made all sorts of chips for things like internet routers and USB mice and keyboards, to name a few. Headquartered in San Jose, California, it was right across the street from Cisco Systems, which was one of the companies making all those routers to power the internet. And they actually had way better cafeteria too, by the way. When I joined Cypress, it was on a tear. We could not keep up with demand for all the chips were needed to build all the routers and computers to bring people online. Today, you hear about the chip shortage because of lockdowns in China from the pandemic and supply chain shortages, right? These certainly contribute for sure. But one thing to keep in mind is that it's hard to bring chip fabs up and online to meet demand, right? So it's really hard to scale up because there's a lot going on. Have you heard of something called Moore's Law? That also plays a part. Since roughly every 18 months, a new technology node gets developed and put into production that doubles the amount of transistors in the same area. This is the reason why electronics get cheaper over time. There's always the next generation process node that's faster and cheaper, and the last generation, of course, gets cheaper as well. During the dot-com bubble ramp-up, fueled by startups building the internet, Cypress was printing money quarter after quarter, starting roughly in around April of 1999, 
when the stock took off from $10 up to a peak of 58 in July of 2000. You could only imagine how awesome this was for everyone, right? Those were glory days. Each quarter, our stock went up and up. The bonuses went up. Everyone was fat, dumb, and happy. I mean, it was amazing. It was just a, it's an insane amount of things going on. No one ever dreamed what would come next. Well, maybe someone, but clearly it wasn't me. We had survived Y2K. We were building the freaking internet. What could absolutely go wrong, right? The hard thing about hard things. One of the best books on what happened during this time is Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things. At the time, Ben was CEO of LoudCloud, which offered infrastructure and application hosting services to enterprise and internet customers, basically the precursor to cloud computing today. So remember when I told you that Cypress sold chips to Cisco to make routers, etc.? Well, Cisco sold to folks like LoudCloud. Perfect. Well... Not exactly, not, well, not, you know, not exactly, right? Remember when this was. The ramp up to the bubble, bubble, sorry, started in the late 1990s because people were freaking out about Y2K, right? Everyone thought the world was going to end. It may sound strange today, but there was a real fear that on January 1st, 2000, all of the legacy computer systems would stop working or rather they would think that 2000 was actually 1900. This massive build-out, right, started to commoditize the internet because what they were doing is trying to big, you know, make all these things Y2K hard, right? As that started to happen, there's just a race to the bottom because the internet was starting to be commoditized, right? And I know it sounds silly now, but that's what was going on. Another factor was there was a metric ton of VC money flowing into the startups building the internet, starting in around 1998 and peaking in 2000. The joke around the valley was that if you had a 14-slide PowerPoint deck that had internet in it, you'd get a million dollars, literally no questions asked. Does that sound familiar to my blockchain crypto friends? Seems a little like what's going on today. Well, we'll get to that in a second. The icing on the cake, or rather the rocket fuel that accelerated the bubble, was the IPO of Netscape, which is touted still today as the start of year one in the online era, right? That IPO made so much money on day one that all those VCs saw that this whole dot-com thing would make a ton of money. So they pumped more and more in. The problem, that's something so fundamental to business that it still shocks me to this day, even though I totally bought into the hype, right? So full disclosure, I absolutely bought into this hype, right? But this is the thing. None of those dot-com companies made any money. They had sales, but no profit. And the joke was that, well, we'll make it up on volume. <laughs> well, zero profit times a billion, whatever magical volume things you want to come up with, you know, still equals zero, right? But still people believed right up until the whole thing melted down one day. I mean, they all believe, we all believe just like, come on, what could go wrong, right? I literally remember this day like it was yesterday. It was one of our quarterly company meetings where TJ Rogers, CEO and founder of Cypress, would spend the first half of our two-hour company all hands talking about the Green Bay Packers or his vineyard, Claude de la Tech. He'd do this all the time. I mean, I learned so much about wine and the Green Bay Packers, I don't, can't even tell you, right? 
But this particular meeting was really different. Instead of starting out with the latest prospects for his Clodella Tech harvest or how Green Bay was going to crush the Vikings, he put up one chart. It was our quarterly sales, both actual and projected, for the past two years. And the ramp up was impressive until you got to the coming quarter where it projected that our sales would go negative. Let me repeat that. We were projected to have negative sales. It's complicated how this works, but it has to do with the capital and lead times for building chips, right? That was the Q3 2000 meeting, and those projections were for Q4. Apparently, all of our customers canceled all their orders, and we have to give back their deposit or something like that. That's the reason why sales went negative. That meeting, that day, started a series of layoffs similar to what Ben talks about in his book, and it was absolutely brutal. I had to personally lay off six people. It sucks at so many levels, and it was downright depressing to have to look someone in the eye and say, sorry, you no longer work here. And it just, it's, I can remember it again like it was yesterday. But what it taught me is that good people get laid off when you have to cut past the bone to survive. You may think that the whole reduction in force or whatever they call it now is a fair and balanced process and all that sort of stuff. Well, you'd actually be wrong. It's political and petty. Folks are wrapped up in protecting their empires and see opportunities for power grabs. Those that try to make it fair just get crushed. So if you listening to this and you got laid off, which I eventually I did from Cyprus, try not to take it personal, but rather as an opportunity to build your own thing or pivot quickly to a new opportunity. Now, this is hard, I know. Don't get me wrong. I've been there. So one of the things that's you know really powerful about going through something like that is that you learn when you hear other people's stories and you talk to other people just how it just happens to people um there's really nothing to do with you right it's the company you're a number in a spreadsheet and they need to reduce the number so if you're if you had been laid off uh during this whole thing i'm sorry and um just try to get through the best you can so Thanks for listening to part two of A Personal History of Silicon Valley Recessions. We'll make it up on volume was this episode. Stay tuned for part three when I'll let you know what it was like during the real estate boom and bust that led to the 2008 recession. Until next time, chin up, shoulders back, and keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. 
Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.